Coming up next here on the Brandon's World Podcast, Brandon's in sound with good friend Billy Bowman, a.k.a. Boulay, the man that tracked Jimmy Adams way into Houston, his reaction to the Browns according to Sean Watson. Plus, we talk March Madness and our hometown Cleveland Cavaliers. The Brandon's World Podcast starts now. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, tonight you are listening live here to a special edition of Brandon's World here on this Monday, March 21st, 2022. I am here today with the one, the only, Billy Bowman. Bowman, what's up, my man? Hey, Brandon. Not too bad. Uh, First day of spring here in Cleveland. It's a little chilly out. But uh, get some sunshine right now. For no sure. And you know what? I got to tell you, you know, we tried to get you on at the end of this podcast here at the end of season five in February. It did not happen, but I think it worked out because uh, yeah. we, have a, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. And we're going to kick things off with you are the man that should now be, in my opinion, verified on Twitter. Uh, because you pretty much broke the story that Jimmy Aslam and his crew were flying out to Cleveland to meet with new Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. So, well, why don't you go ahead and tell the people, um, you know, how you kind of figured that out it was Jimmy Aslam's plane and, you know, what what was taking you through these last couple of days? So, uh, a few years back when we were tracking Haslam's plane for the head coaching search, uh, Josh McDaniels. I don't know if you remember that report coming out. We were tracking his plane back then. And I discovered he had more than one plane registered to him. They're the same identical plane. One's just a little newer. Um, and he's starting to use the newer one now. So we're back in like 2018. He was using the older one. It has the Browns logo on the side, on the side of it. And it actually, the call sign ends with CB, Cleveland Browns. So everyone was paying attention to that, but I was paying attention to the newer one and I got an alert that he scheduled a flight to Houston or uh, what day, what day was the meeting Wednesday? So I believe if I'm correct, was the meeting Tuesday? Two, okay. Then, so it was Monday night that I got the update around 945 that he scheduled a flight to Houston so I, I tweeted it out, and it just took off from there. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. Yeah, and I mean, the, the thing is, right, is like we all know the Browns were in the market for a quarterback. Um, it was no secret to me that Andrew Berry, Kevin Savansky, wanted to move on from Baker Mayfield at the end of this season. Now, you you can't dispute, you know, Deshaun Watson's off the field allegations. I I do not want to want to get get into that. You know, whether he's guilty, whether he's innocent, who knows? Those you know will be determined obviously in civil court. The fact of the matter is, on the football field, uh, Deshaun Watson is a clear upgrade over Baker Mayfield. And I believe what we saw Tuesday night when Baker Mayfield put out essentially his goodbye message on social media to the Cleveland Browns. That's one of the reasons why the Browns decided to move off of Baker Mayfield. 
Tua Tagovailoa was in the news the whole season, it felt like, last year because Miami made it public that they were going after Deshaun Watson. Uh, San Francisco made it very public that Jimmy Garoppolo was not going to be their quarterback next season. Even at the end of the season, the Indianapolis Colts, I believe, made it very public that Carson Wentz wasn't going to be their quarterback. Those three guys didn't say a word about it. And as soon as the you know word got out essentially from you that Jimmy Aslam and crew were on their way to Houston, it just felt like, boom, it was over. Yeah, and then um... – Unfortunately, when the Watson news came out saying he wasn't choosing the Browns, um, the Browns denied Baker's trade request. And then the report came out today saying Baker planned on doing everything in his power to not play next year for the Browns, sitting out uh, offseason camps, everything. So just shows you that. I mean, I can't really blame Baker because imagine you're that you're the starting quarterback and they're openly talking about signing Deshaun I don't know I like you bring up a good point with Tua and Carson Wentz as well it's kind of it's a sticky situation I it's good riddance it's over now so well I I understand from both perspectives you know listen if, if you're openly flirting with somebody you know that you're probably going to get rid of them but I have also said sometimes in sports you know the best moves that you make are not the ones that you make. Sometimes the best moves are the trades that fall through. Um, you know, did did you feel now? Let me ask you this real quick, pivoting back to Watson. Did you feel after Deshaun Watson said no to the Browns on Thursday? Did you did you see? Was there another track? Did did they ever go back? to Houston or did you feel like there was still potentially a chance that Deshaun Watson could have landed with the Browns before he announced his decision? There was, there was nothing uh, plain wise that convinced me that they were still being in contact, but I had a gut feeling that Andrew Barry wasn't going to take no for an answer. Why was it just from what you heard from Barry or, or what was that gut feeling? Uh, it was just like I they're two Ivy League guys and Barry and Stefanski. They know how to talk. Um, they obviously have that connection with Deshaun's lawyer with Jimmy Haslam. I don't know if you know about that. Yes. Okay, so there's that connection and just being involved with it and everything. I, I just had a gut feeling, Brian. I don't know. Just nothing other than a gut feeling. So you know, with the Browns, um, you know, did as, as a Cleveland Browns fan, you know, again, I talked about the Deshaun Watson off the field allegations, you know, who who knows what, what's going to turn out about that. But did you, I, let me ask you this, how did you feel about acquiring Deshaun Watson? Obviously, we know he's an upgrade over, over Baker Mayfield. Do, do you, you know, I guess care would be the, the wrong word, but did you, I guess, think twice about the, the acquiring of Watson due to the allegations? No. <laughs> it's simple as that, no. Because <laughs> I've, been, I've been preaching for him since uh, December. Okay. That's who I, I've, I've been wanting to go after him since then. And, like, these allegations, I know you said you don't want to get into that and everything. I, it's just – I tweeted out – it's so sketchy what's going on. It's, 
exactly. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so that's why, you, you know, in my opinion, uh, it's very hard to comment on that right now. Um, mm. But, you know, I guess unlike Baker, um, when in 2018, when Baker was drafted, when he had that rookie season, I said, I think he can be a franchise quarterback for the Browns if he obviously continues to trend upwards. 2019 was a bad year. Now, you could equate that to Freddie Kitchens. You could equate that to learning a new offense, whatever the case may be. Boom, in 2019, I said, I'm out on Baker. And even though he had that nice rebound at the end of the 2020 season, I watched when the Browns went up against Cincinnati twice a year. And even though they beat them twice and they beat them again this season in a stomp, but, you know, in 2020, those two games were both close. And I said, right now, I would take Joe Burrow over Baker Mayfield. Even last year, when I watched Lamar Jackson against the Browns, you know, even though those were tight games, I said, I think Lamar Jackson is more special than Baker Mayfield. And I think at the end of the day, the Browns are looking around at this AFC and they're saying, we know we drafted Baker not number one overall, but Barry didn't, Stefanski didn't, mm-hmm. and you have Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, Justin Herbert. Now you got Russell Wilson. And the conference is absolutely loaded. In my opinion, the Browns had no choice but to get an upgraded quarterback as good as their roster was. Yeah, if you look at what the Rams did last year with uh, Stafford, it's just you got to get your quarterback and lock him up. So hopefully Deshaun is that guy for us. He could be our math. I think it was someone – currently on the Browns or a uh, current free agent from the Browns said uh, every team has the pieces. You just need that Matthew Stafford that came out after we uh, traded for Deshaun. Well, the thing is about Stafford with the Rams and I had said this going back, I think the Rams, you know, obviously they were a very good football team this season. I still contest, however, that if Jaquesky Dart makes that interception, the Niners and Bengals are probably playing in the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, I do think obviously it was an upgrade worthwhile for the Rams, but the Rams are also in a weaker conference in the NFC. I mean, I, I will get to Sean Watson in the, in the AFC, and he is a top-five quarterback, I believe, in the AFC, but – I don't know if he's in the top three right now. I don't know if I'm taking him over Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if I'm taking him over, you know, uh, Josh Allen and Buffalo, who I absolutely adore. Uh, I don't know if I'm, to be honest, taking him over in our own division over Joe Burrow in Cincinnati after what I watched Burrow did this season. Yeah, no, I can't uh, argue with that. And Justin Herbert, too, and especially him coming off of uh, one year of not playing but they're saying he does have like a quarterback coach. He continued to practice throughout the year. So hopefully no slip ups. I mean, again, last season in the NFC Stafford, you know, you, you could have made an argument at the beginning of the year was Brady Rogers Stafford in the NFC this year. When you look at Watson in the AFC, I mean, I think it's Burrow, Mahomes, Allen. And I think, you know, it's a realistic debate between Herbert and Watson at four and five. I would take Watson right now over Russell Wilson, who's in Denver just because of, of, of age. I think that they are very similar players, but Wilson is obviously 33. I think Deshaun Watson, you know, having a year off may, may help him. But there's also, Bowman, the thought of, hey, listen, I know he didn't have a great coach in Houston and Bill O'Brien, but 
I know he put up great numbers in that last season without DeAndre Hopkins, but the team also wasn't very good. And he hasn't played football in two years. So if he does get suspended, you know, whatever the case may be, is there this point where maybe next season could get off to a little bit of a rocky start? I think for sure it can. Um, they got rid of Keenum yesterday, re-signed uh, Jacoby Brissett. So that's kind of telling you they want they don't want to switch up the offense, like different play styles. So they want to keep it consistent. So they're definitely preparing for a suspension, especially when you look at their the base salary is just $1 million mm-hmm. this year. So there, I think it's a, like 57000 a game if he's suspended, he'll have to pay towards the league now. So, I mean, props to Barry and Stefanski, man. Like, Barry, like, his intelligence is crazy. I would never have thought to make the base salary a million dollars for the first year. And the, the fact for, and the fact for Watson to accept that is just, I mean, it's remarkable in itself because he did not have to accept that. Um, uh, you know, to be honest, I think it does show some maturity. And again, Watson has been willing to cooperate with, with the courts on, on his legal matters. And listen, some some guys may be like, I don't care if I'm not getting suspended or not. I'm not taking a million dollars based salary. Yeah. If you look at the, the start of this, all the cases, he said, let's bring it to court. He knows his truth. And mm-hmm. he said, let the court decide. All right. He didn't well, pay anyone off. Nothing. So. Right. All right. Well, let's shift gears here because I, I want to talk about other madness in March really quickly. Um, now, I have always said NFL free agency is the best part of March. It's a lot better than St. Peter's upset in <laughs> Kentucky uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But nonetheless, this year's NCAA tournament, it did not have, I feel like, the hype around it as it has in years past. You obviously had your number one seeds in Gonzaga and Arizona is really good this year. I personally really liked Kansas. Uh, Kentucky was one of my favorites that got bounced out early by St. Peter's. We saw Baylor get bounced out uh, by North Carolina. We saw Michigan, obviously, now becoming one of the other Cinderella stories, bouncing out Tennessee yesterday. You know, um, I know every bracket is destroyed, but uh, how's your final four looking and what's your overall thoughts on this year's tournament so far? So I think this tournament is reflecting uh, the regular season of the NCAA uh, basketball season this year. And a lot of uh, upsets, uh, a lot of sloppy wins, a lot of sloppy losses. So I'm not really surprised of how it's going. But I'm a North Carolina fan, so I'm going to be rooting for them all the way down to the Final Four. Um, I got Arizona and Gonzaga as well. And then I have Gonzaga winning it all. Okay. See, my yeah. my my thing with Gonzaga was, obviously, I think the, the whole country likes, likes Gonzaga. But their, their role, I thought that they had a tough bracket. Like, I did not pick Memphis to beat them, but I thought Memphis – was a very good basketball team that could give them all that they could handle. And I was completely right on that. You know, mm-hmm. um, obviously Gonzaga, you know, they pretty much brought back their whole team outside of Jalen Suggs. They're, they're motivated to come back and win the national championship. I think they definitely have a great shot to do so. Um, I think this year, you know, the number one seeds, I think outside of Baylor, maybe were pretty evident to at least get to, to the final four. 
Um, and I think obviously the most shocking loss was Kentucky losing to St. Peter's. But as I've said, you know, the NCAA tournament is so fascinating because it's not like the NBA where you have a seven game series, you know, your stars, you know, struggle one game, boom, you're, you're out of the tournament. Yeah. Especially in these first two rounds games going to overtime. I mean, these kids are young, they should have fresh legs, but I mean, these double overtime games take a lot out of people. The, the interesting thing about this year is, um, you know, doing research. I, I did more research this year on a tournament than I ever did in my whole life. Um, and I think the thing that hurts college basketball is everybody knows about March Madness. But you just mentioned the regular season. There's not a ton of people, I feel like, anymore watching the regular season because it feels like the tournament now is a thing by itself. And, you know, as sports betting becomes, you know, more weak when people are betting on games, I feel like the tournament is almost the place where people just pick a team. Maybe they do some research on a couple stats here or there, but they just pick a team and bet. And, you know, I don't know how much necessarily the regular season anymore matters that much in college basketball. And I think it's turning the sport a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's uh, the one and done is crazy, and it definitely is hurting. Is it? I don't. I didn't feel like there's that big a uh, like an all star in the in basketball right now in college. Yeah, you know, obviously you got uh, Shed Shed Holmgren and uh, the the Gonzaga, Drew Timmy, obviously the few players from Duke. But you're right yeah. there. It feels like you know, like even last year, you know, you take a look at the guys, you know, like Kate Cunningham and Evan Mobley and Jalen Green, guys that came out of the draft high, you know, it just, it feels like there's, there's, you know, it feels like the NFL essentially uh, the draft and free agency and all that has pretty much dominated. Uh, and it kind of puts college basketball a little bit under the radar. And it feels like, you know, even the story of Duke, like Mike Chizetsky, he's in his 42nd year coaching at Duke. Who knows, this could be his last game of his coaching career today against Michigan mm -hmm. State. And it feels like it's not even a talking point. No, I know. I agree with you. It's, it's a weird time in college basketball, for sure. So, Sorry, I'm looking. Uh, the Browns just put out like a PR statement on the Watson signing. So uh, I was just looking at that. Gotcha. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of uh, the other Cleveland teams, let's dive in a little bit to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers Bowman. Um, a team that going into this season, I was completely down on. Now, as you know, I'm currently a co-host of the All Things Cleveland Cavaliers podcast for Believe yeah. Media. Um, I took the position knowing, thinking that it was probably going to be a very long season. It turns out that this <laughs> season has been one of the most wild roller coaster rides of a Cavs season I can remember since LeBron James has not been on the team. Um, obviously started off very hot. They have cooled down as of late. Now, whether you can argue part of that is, you know, with Darius Garland being out, Jared Allen obviously being out, Levert missing a lot of games, just getting back. Um, you know, what's your thoughts right now on this Cavs team right now that early on in the season, you know, obviously before the season, people thought we're going to be in the lottery. Early in the season, we thought they were going to be a number one seed. And now it looks <laughs> like they could be in the playing tournament. Yeah, so uh, after the win last night, they said they clinched their first uh, over 500 uh, season since like 97, 98 or pre-LeBron era. 
Mm-hmm. So that's, that's great. Um, I definitely, the injuries, I, I couldn't imagine if we had Colin Sexton in right now, like would Gar- Garland have all this hype around him during all-star week? I'm not going to go into too much how they fit together, but I, I think we're missing a key piece with Sexton down for the year. Um, I wish we could have him back for playoff time. Now with Jared Allen being hurt, there's just not like this team, like, it's crazy that like Garland said, he knew in training camp that there was something there clicking, but with the additional Levert and how injured we've been and how many players we brought in on short contracts, like it's amazing what they're doing without like the team chemistry. So, you know I, what I mean? I've said multiple times the last couple of weeks on our all things account podcast, the question has been proposed to me a lot over the last couple of weeks. And that is, do you consider if the Cavs lose in the play-in tournament this year a success? And a lot of you have said yes, because nobody obviously expected what the Cavs do this year. And I have made the argument no, because a month ago, we were literally a game out of the number one seed in, in the Eastern Conference. And again, we, we've, we've had injuries. LaVert just came back. Rich on Rondo is still out. Uh, you know, we, we lost Jared Allen. Obviously, Darius Garland was out for a little bit. But I've also made the argument that great teams do find a way to win without their best players. I mean, we saw it with Phoenix. They were winning games without Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And, you know, I can also make the argument, it's not like the Cavs have lost all their best players at the same time. When Garwin's been out, Allen has been in. Obviously, Jared's been out, but now Darius Garwin is back. And what we saw last night, again, defense turning into offense, beating Detroit, using everybody getting involved with Garwin and Mobley and Jetty and Wolf. That's what this team can do. And if they can do that, they can certainly make some noise in the postseason. I agree with you. I I, I want to get into that playoffs. I, I, I'm hoping – I don't think we'll have to be in that play I think we'll be like a six. Right. Is it is it seven, eight, nine play? So, yes. What is that playing tournament? So the playing tournament, which by the way, is the complete most utterly stupidest gimmick in the history yeah, of basketball. I- <laughs> uh, it is a gimmick which should be saved for professional wrestling, by the way, should not be used in other sports. But it is seven, eight, nine, and ten. So seven and eight play, the winner is in. The loser plays the winner of nine versus ten for the eight seed. Yeah, okay. Now I, I remember that. I, I didn't really pay attention to the last year since the Cavs weren't in it, but uh, I, I'm hoping we get that 60. I, th- I think that's where we're laying at right now, correct? Yeah, uh, I believe uh, so. We're about a game up on Toronto. Obviously, we have a head-to-head over Toronto, but we do play them next week in Toronto. A very key, interesting game. Um, yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's crazy sick. because I feel like, like if the Cavs meet Milwaukee in the first round, there's some people I know that think the Cavs can beat them in a seven-game series because I think we do match up well against Milwaukee. My issue is, as great as this Cavs team has been this year, I still feel like we're a s- another star away. Um, you know, as great as Darius Darwin has been, I feel like he's transitioned into a superstar this year. You need about two stars. I think Jared Allen is a star if he gets back, but who's that third star? You know, is it Evan Mobley? I don't, I think he's going to be one day, but I don't feel like he's there yet. You know, is it Lori Marketing? Is it, you know, one of these other guys? 
could it be Karis LeVert? Sure, but I, I don't know what the Cavs right now have that firepower to make it through one of these top four teams in the East that seven-game series. Do you think it could be Colin Saxon if he was healthy? You know, I don't. Um, no. I have, I've been out on Colin Sexton. Um, I, I like him as a player. I like Darius Garland as a player. I don't feel like they fit together on the court. I, I see what you, I see where you, I know. I can um, see it too. And so, because I, I just don't believe you can have two six foot one guards on the court of the thing. I mean, I feel like we've seen this thing for three years. You know, yes, the Cavs acquired Jared Allen. Yes, they got Lori Margaret in the season. Yes, we got Mobley in the draft. But we've seen it. And by the way, we've seen it in Portland as well for how many years with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. Um, in my opinion, it's just you can't win in the NBA with that. Like I've been saying, I would love to see Sexton come off the bench. Would he be willing to do it? Who knows? But if Colin Sexton ran the six-man unit, that's a different story. No, yeah, that's what I was thinking in the beginning of the year. Garland come, starting, Sexton off the bench. Mm-hmm. Then, how good was Ricky Rubio this year? He Ricky was Rubio was absolutely phenomenal. He was fantastic. But that was you another know, big loss. He he is a big loss. But I felt like Rondo could have filled that void. And there's some nights he does. And I do feel like that Rajon Rondo come playoff time if he is healthy. Playoff Rondo will appear once again. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a long time, but I hope I've, so. I've been a bigger defender of, of, of Rondo, I think, than most people. I mean, you just look at what he did two years ago. He was pretty much the Lakers' third best player in the bubble on, yeah. on, their, on their way to that 2020 championship. And he does bring leadership. Um and, you know, one of the things I was thinking of with the Cavs is, do you think this offseason, because I've i been thinking about this a little bit over the last week, and I haven't asked my co-host on the All Things Cavs podcast yet, because I was waiting to what have been going for the season, but I want to throw this out, out there now to you. What do you think about maybe packaging up a Sexton in a Coro, a first-round pick here and there? But what about going after, like, a Bradley Beal? from Washington or going after one of these other shooting guards? Cause I, I feel like they need one more star. Like I just said. Yeah. Um, that's a big one right there. Sex and Anna Cora with the pick. I, I don't know. I, I think a started to turn it around. If he like, he's starting to score more and who knows what he could turn into. If you want to, I would, I wouldn't mind. I don't know what Chetty's contract is, but like throwing in Sexton with Chetty. Yeah. If we can keep, you know, it's 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 funny about a coral because at the beginning of the year, I was completely out on a coral. As much as I like his defense, you're a shooting guard, bro. You have to be able to shoot in in the NBA nowadays. The way I see it, now he's he's gotten better. He obviously in a big time corner three shot last night. But, like, that is big work in the offseason. If if he can't constantly knock down shots, then he's just not going to survive in this league because we're starting to see what teams are doing. They're double-teaming Darius Garland, and they're leaving a coral in the corner and daring him to shoot. Yeah, that's – yeah, you're right. So it's got to be a big turnaround this offseason if he could get that jumper down. Look at Ben Simmons, what happened with him. 
Exactly, which is why, well, when one of the re, and I know again, Levert just came back, but I've been advocating for Levert getting in the starting lineup. Like they they need as good as Lamar Stevens and the Coral are defensively, they need that one more shooter out of the floor, especially without Jared Allen right now. No, I agree. I think I think they're going to be working him into the starting lineup come end the season into the playoff. Boy, they have to, man. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell happened to Jetty Osmond. It felt like he was in the doghouse for three games. I've seen some reports saying he was injured, but he's never been on the injury report. Then all of a sudden, he comes in last night, scored 16 <laughs> key points. And the the big thing with this Cavs team, man, and we've been saying it on the podcast, Jetty Osmond and Kevin Wall are the igniters to this team. When they come in off the bench and they produce scoring-wise, this team can beat almost anybody in the NBA on a given night. When one of those two guys struggle, or especially when both of those guys aren't playing, the Cavs struggle defensively and they struggle offensively, and they have played some of the weirdest games I've seen all year long. Yeah, when love's hot, he's hot, man. It's great. Like, the whole team gets around him. I don't know if you saw that picture they posted, I think, oh, last yeah. night or the night before. So well, just shows you, how the morale is with that team. And, well, as you know, it's funny because for three years on WatchDoorRadio.com, I was screaming at every microphone I could get rid of Kevin Love. <laughs> I know. He, I, I can't blame him. He, was, he wasn't playing. I mean, it fits. I mean, and now, you know, he's pretty much the, the unsung hero of this team. I mean, I still, as, I, as I've been saying over the last month, I can't get over just how well this team has transpired. The credit to the coaching staff, credit to, to everybody involved. They they are a team. And, you know, they struggle at some points this season. There's been some highs, there's been some lows. But, hey, I've been telling everybody, too, like, this is normal in the NBA. This is, you know, we're not used to, uh, you know, going to the finals or being in the lottery every year. This is where most teams are in the NBA. Yeah, this is this is it feels good again. It feels like uh, maybe oh six oh seven. LeBron's new in the league. He's getting moving. So we're we're adding pieces. I think this like this core like I know we don't have LeBron, but this core we have now is a stronger core than we had like with the rebuild starting in like oh three oh four. Yeah, I I completely agree with you there. Um, you know, I want to throw this stat out there uh and i don't have this updated over the last two games so i apologize but this was entering wednesday's game against philadelphia so this year this is the most telling stat to me about the caps and it's defensive the amount of points they give up per game and again it's entering wednesday night against philly because i had this for the all things yes but i guess i wanted to pull this up so under 100 points when the Cavs have given up under 100 points this year they're 21 and four. When they give up between 100 and 109, they're 13 and five. That tells you they're one of the best teams in basketball. However, oh. when they give up home at 110 points or more, they're five and 17. Okay. Well, like you said, it wasn't updated. We went into overtime. We won against the Nuggets. They scored 115, so I had a win yep. on that one. So that would be 6-17. And, and, and then obviously and then Detroit last, last night was like 109, so add on 109 on the one to that. 
So that would be a 14 and eight when they go between 100 and 109. And I think, you know, with 110 plus, I believe they gave up to Philly. I could be wrong on that. So you could probably put it at like six and 18, something like that. But again, you know, it just shows that like when this team plays defense, Defense, they can beat anybody in the league. It's when they don't play defense, they don't have the offensive firepower on most nights to overcome bad defense. This team, a lot of their points come from transition, defense, and offense. And I love it when players like Okoro or Garland attack the basket, stop dribbling. It drives me nuts when they when there's a fast break. We don't do this enough. There's a fast break. We stop. We set up a play. We allow them to get back. It's like, no, they attack the basket, and they're finally doing it again and getting easy opportunities. Yeah, I think Karis LeVert's really good at that as well. Yep. And, you you know, uh, I know it was a lottery-protected first-round pick. I'm a believer that in the NBA, it's a lot different than the NFL. Uh, Draft picks, you know, don't really matter. You have your teens, you know, a little bit, but it feels like past the 20s, you know, those draft picks feel like you're not going to get really an impact player. I think Karis LeVert is worth more this season than, than, than any lottery pick. I was all for the trade. You know, it's unfortunate he got hurt, but I think now, even with him coming in off the bench, you can see his production and let's see if he can get in the starting line. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun month leading up to the playoffs and excited and hopefully get to go to a series coming up. So. You got the Lakers, you got Dallas. I mean, you you got, you know, Brooklyn and uh, the Bucks at, at the end of the year. Very interesting. We'll, we'll see where the Cavs finish. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh-huh. tomorrow they have the uh, – I don't know if any of your viewers out there have it, but uh, on the Oculus, they're doing a front row, like, virtual seat for the Cavs-Lakers game tomorrow. Oh, they are. That, that's very interesting. Um, yeah. So so what? Is it like – is it like what they did in the bubble where, like, you can register and become a virtual fan or – I, th- I, I didn't look at the bubble, but they essentially uh, set up a, a camera courtside behind. They have a few of them behind each basket and then uh, baseline or courtside, sorry. And it switches views and you're like a little avatar and you're sitting there. It's like you're in the front row and you're oh, watching. Okay. It's, pretty, it's yeah, pretty cool. A little virtual reality stuff right there. All right, Bowman. Yeah. Um, appreciate it so much, man. Appreciate you as always bringing on all your takes. We, we love your, uh, tracking plane ability. We thank you so much for breaking the story and essentially, um, being the first one to report that, uh, Jimmy Haslam was on his way to Houston. Now the Browns have a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Haslam, uh, just touched down in Vegas. So we'll see what's up with that. Who knows what's going on there. It's a, it's only, it's early over there. It's uh, 9 a.m. So it is, is he getting like a meeting with some, I don't think he'd be meeting with someone in Vegas. So who knows? And then I just got a DM, someone saying they're, uh, they're staying in a hotel in the Hilton downtown room directly facing Burke front. Not sure what airstrip the Browns has them use. They seem to use Cleveland Hopkins, but he said, Definitely just saw a private jet take off what looked like to be a lo- Browns logo on the tip. Any idea? And I, I, I pulled up my plane tracker. I didn't really see anything going on. So who, who knows? Browns are maybe on the move today.
Interesting. Love to hear it. All right, Bowman. Thank you so much. As always, you can make sure to follow us on Twitter at row underscore B-word. Follow me personally at Brandon Lewis underscore seven. Bowman, do you want to go and chat your stuff real quick? Uh, sure. It's just Twitter, Boule, B-O-U-L-A-Y underscore underscore. All right. Thank, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. As always, thank you for coming on the podcast. You're welcome to join anytime, my man. Appreciate it, Brandon. Have a good rest of your Sunday. Thank you. You too. And and guys, we will see you guys next time. Peace.